Good evening, everybody. Welcome to our Wednesday night study. Uh, we welcome you all, and we also welcome those who will join us uh, via social media. Uh, as always, I express the, you know, I say thank you to those who join us by uh, uh, social media, but I also greet my fellow Macedonians in my own native language. And so, nasite Makedonci, koi se skrucheni vo ovoj živ prenos, dobre došle na našeto učenje na Biblijata vo knjigata na romancite. With that, we're going to get into the lesson, which is uh, a living sacrifice. I want to say thank God for the uh, moving of the spirit we experienced here uh, last Sunday morning. Whenever there is a moving of the spirit of God, things begin to happen. In Genesis chapter 1, we read, in the beginning, God, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. When the Spirit of God moved, things began to happen. The, when the Spirit of God moves, things begin to happen, such as what happened back in February at Ashbury University in a small town in Kentucky. And I don't know to this day if it's still going on or not. I'd like to hear that it still is, but nevertheless, it was a long, long revival because of the moving of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God moved in this sanctuary and the refreshings came from the Lord. Can I get an amen? Yes, indeed. Thank God for his confirmation. Last Sunday we sang, uh, I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord, in the singing. Wednesday, Brother Ernie uh, said that we are a special force in the army of the Lord. I once heard a minister deliver a message uh, on child raising. And when he got through, you would have thought that this minister uh, had at least a half a dozen kids of his own. However, at the end of, the, of his message, he simply declared that he is not married and he doesn't have any children, obviously. And what he spoke on he spoke on the authority of God's word. In the Bible, you have all the instruction of child uh, rearing. Amen. We're going to get into the lesson, which is a living sacrifice. And I will go into this lesson as uh, I, I, I felt led in this direction. As I said, uh, I don't know if I mentioned, but I never have served in the Army or any kind of forces in the United States. However, you will see me wear a camouflage hat all the time. And it says USA, and I've had people 
uh, approached me and uh, literally tell me thank you for serving. And then I have to explain to them that I have only uh, in the army of the Lord. And we are, whether you know it or not, in the army of the Lord. We are, from, we are all familiar with the passage of scripture in Romans chapter 12, verse one. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. First of all, I'd like to clarify that this is not saying that someone by a remote chance may assume it means. This passage of scripture does not mean that you should lay down on an altar and offer your body to be slain on it as a sacrifice unto God. No, a, th a thousand times no. This passage does not mean no more than Matthew 5.30 when Jesus said, and if your right hand offend you, cut it off, for it is better for you to enter into heaven without one hand than your whole body be cast into hell. And I believe that everyone here that is somewhat aware of the plan of salvation should be aware to the fact that we strive to take care of the heart. If your hand steals, it will continue to steal until it is fixed right here, which is through the plan of salvation. And so when the heart is made right, the hand that steals will be made right along. And uh, uh, what, what this passage is saying, now that your sins have been forgiven and you've been sanctified holy by the blood of Jesus and you've been set apart from the world and you have received the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is power for service, is that you've enlisted in the army of the Lord. Believe it or not. To get you enlisted in the United States Army, Uncle Sam says, I want you. I want you. I want you. I want you. After, you, uh, after you've enlisted, Uncle Sam says, you're mine. And you don't believe me? When you meet your drill sergeant, you'll find out. He'll tell you, you're mine. <laughs> now you see why I'm going that, uh, in, this, uh, in this army thing. But we're, we're going to get into the word of God. The, uh, the enlistment in, the, in God's army. God, on the other hand, says the same thing, but in a holy manner. Unlike Uncle Sam, who says, I want you, God says, I love you. And if you do join, he does say you're mine. I found that a long time ago. And I've been feasting on it ever since. It's found in Malachi. Mm -hmm. Malachi, starting in verse uh, 316. 
But they that feared the Lord spoke often one to another. And the Lord heard him, and a book of remembrance was written before him. And he said, they shall be mine, saith the Lord, when I make my jewels. I like that country song. I don't know about you, but it goes something like, uh, I'm just an old chunk of coal, but one day I'm going to be a diamond, or someday I'm going to be a diamond someday. It's the truth. God is working on us like a jeweler works on precious jewels. That's how precious we are to him. Once you have enlisted in the United States Army, you are expected to give everything in battle, including dying for your country. You may not believe this, but God expects the same of us. Except for that other part. He doesn't want you to die for him. I'm not saying it's never going to happen. Missionaries have died. But I've from what I understand, the word of God, Pastor, we are to live for God. Can I get an amen? amen. It says, you, every nation has an army. We, according to 1 Peter 2.9, are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. The church of God is a nation. A nation, a holy nation, and as a nation, we have soldiers. 1 Timothy Chapter 2, verse 3, you, Timothy, must endure hardship like a good soldier of Christ. I miss the hymnals. There was a song we used to sing, I'm in the battlefield for the Lord. I promised him that I would serve him till I die, and I'm in the battlefield for the Lord. This is why a true-born Christian believer has no room in his or her life for the prosperity gospel. We are in a battle. Now you tell me which soldier who is in a battle thinks about prosperity. You tell me which soldier in battle says to himself, man, I'm living the best life now. It's just not that way. But we are in the army of the Lord. Amen. One thing that distinguishes us from the soldiers of the Lord is the fact that this warfare we are in, we are engaged in, is not a physical warfare, but a spiritual warfare. And so is our artillery. 1 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God for pulling down of strongholds. You hear many people, um, I'm sorry, many ministers of God tell you the battle that we fight is fought in this 18 space between. I believe they're right. The battle that we fight is not carnal. And the weapons that we employ are not kind, uh, are not carnal, but mighty for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, 
and bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. The Apostle Paul told young Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, chapter 2, verse 4, no man, in other words, no man, woman, no person engaged in a warfare entangles themselves or themselves with the affairs of this world, of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. A person that enlists in the army enlists for a period of time. And at the end of that time, he or she is discharged. It is not that way with us, brothers and sisters. We, on the other hand, have been called as soldiers of God are enlisted for life. Can I get an amen? amen. There is no discharge from this uh, battle that we're in against sin. In conclusion, a soldier presents himself for duty each day, which is considered to be their reasonable service. And we, in turn, present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God on a daily basis. I hope that's the case with every one of us because you just can't, if you're in the Army, in the United States Army, you can't just, you know, go like this and ignore the bugle for you to get up, say, I'm sleeping in today. It ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. And so on a daily basis, we rise, and I, for one, begin the day by asking the Lord, Lead me, order my footsteps. Let me, you know, lead me somewhere where I can be a blessing to help someone in need. And I hope that's your prayer. We, in turn, present our bodies, which is actually means our lives daily unto the Lord, which He considers to be our reasonable service. Praise God. Let us go to the questionnaire from uh, Romans 12, uh, verse 1 here. Living for God. What is, uh, question number one, what is especially different about a believer offering to God, as a believer's offering to God as compared to the Old Testament sacrifice? Brother Ernie. Thank you. And everybody that would uh, grab a mic, uh, feel, you know, don't be shy. Speak, speak, it, speak up. You want us to read the scriptures? Go ahead. Okay. Aaron shall present a bull as a sin offering for himself, and he shall make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall kill the bull as a sin offering for himself. And he shall take a censer full of coals of fire from the altar, the altar before the Lord, and in two a handful of sweet incense, 
be, be small, small, and he and shall bring, bring it inside, inside the veil, and put the incense on the fire before the Lord, that the cloud and the incense may cover the mercy seat that is over the testimony, so that he does not die. And he shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with the, his finger on the front, front of the mercy, the mercy seat on the east side. And in front of the mercy seat, he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people to bring his blood inside the veil and do that blood as he did with the blood of the bull sprinkling it over the mercy seat and in front of the mercy seat. Thus he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the people of Israel and because of their transgressions, all their sins. And so he shall do for the tent of meeting which dwells with them in the midst of their uncleanness. Thank God for Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, Jesus became our offering, and his shed blood replaced the animal sacrifice once and for all. Like Pastor said before, you get saved, Jesus' blood covers your sin. Our soul is saved for heaven. Our body, that's another thing. <laughs> we have things that we deal with that God deals with. But it was so, so different. Jesus became the final offering when he shed his blood on Calvary. That was once and for all. No more animal sacrifices. No more priests having to go through all they went through. But just Amen. following after him. Beautiful. Anybody else? Liz? I wrote that the uh, Old Testament sacrifices needed burnt offerings and slain animals. Believers need only to offer themselves as faithful followers since Jesus Christ was the perfect sacrifice. Amen. Uh, Brother Bob, I think the biggest part, I guess I pulled this up, of the offering is that the bull didn't have a choice. He couldn't get up. <laughs> the lamb didn't have a choice. He couldn't get up. We get to choose whether or not we offer our bodies as a sacrifice. Amen. And um, I know we'd like to be religious and just everybody just tell me what to do. Tell me when to show up and, and do this and make it easy. But the Holy Spirit guides us and we have to literally willingly present our bodies as a yes. living sacrifice and ourselves. He's not going to take it. We got to give it. Amen. Present it voluntarily. We're going to go to question number two. What do you find in Romans 11, 33 to 36 that would give you a reason to become a living sacrifice? I think, it's, I think they're putting it on the screen. There it is. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how mm. unscrutable his ways. Who, For who has, has known, known the, the mind of the, of the Lord? Lord? Or, or who, who has been, been his, his counselor? Or, or who has given him a gift to him that he might be repaid? Him. From him yeah. and through, through him, him and, and to him are all, all things. things. To, to him be, be glory, glory forever. forever. Amen. Hmm. People don't like it. But I love telling them, telling them whether you like it or not, it's all about Jesus. It's not about anybody else. It's not about 
Buddha or Muhammad or whoever you want. It's not about them. It's, it's about Jesus, the Son of the living God. Question number three, what influence does God's mercy have on your, has had on your decision to live for him? That's the scripture right there. Let's read it together. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Amen. I think Liz was about to talk. Amen. Yes, Sister Liz. God is full of knowledge and wisdom beyond our own, our own understanding. And when you pair that with the fact that we know that he is always good and that he always is true to his promise mm -hmm. and that he's always faithful, I don't see why there would be any question. Amen. While we were dead in sin, he quickened us together with Christ. By grace, ye are saved. Question number four, for personal thought. What for you are the greatest hindrances to presenting your body as a living sacrifice? Go ahead, sister. I'm going to be real honest. So for me, the thing that is the greatest hindrance for me when presenting myself as a living sacrifice for God is that, quite honestly, I find it very hard to be patient with people. I, I, it, it, I should be specific when people, people have a tendency to be very um, wishy-washy and indecisive and to lack accountability. And for me, even before I became a follower of Christ, that's was behavior that was very hard for me to tolerate, and it's hard for me to turn the other cheek when people are being petty or nasty, but I've been working on it. <laughs> well, that is, that is so true. Pastor? I think comfort. People get comfortable. Um, they don't want to sacrifice. It's easier to sit at home and, and, and do nothing for God. It's easier to do... We get distracted too easily. It's so many things in life that people so easily lose focus on serving God. And I, if you're going to be a sacrifice, that means that you put him first. Yeah. He's a priority and you build your life around God, not find ways to fit God into your life. And I think in our culture, we have become so convenient and there's so many distractions, so many football and baseball stadiums and events and stuff we could be doing. We say, I get to church if I can. I do this if I can. I serve God as well as I can instead of saying that comes after Christ. I serve God first, and if I can get to that, I get to that if I can. Oh, we know better, don't we? The scripture says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. 
And if you're not doing that, then the pastor speaks correctly. God wants us to live for him. God would never ask anything from us that is unreasonable. I don't know about you, but God really, really delivered me out of a total mess. I was so depressed, so lost and undone that I actually started making preparation because I really thought I was going to die. And instead, I called on the name of the Lord, and instead, he saved me and delivered me. For us to live for God, I like the way the Bible puts it. It's our reasonable service. Jesus said, when you have done all these things, in other words, all that is required of us in the scriptures, when you have done all these things, Jesus told his disciples, say to yourself, we, woe unto us, for we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which is required. I didn't mean to get wound up over that, but anyways, we're going to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. An important choice between what alternatives, this is question number six, does Paul, does Paul ask us to choose? What are the, the two alternatives? They're very simple. I got them written down here. It's on the, on the screen. Uh, there you go. Very, very, very obvious here. The key word is, Conform. Not to be conformed to this world, conform, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So those are the, the options. So we can either choose the world's way or choose God's way. I think Liz had something. Yeah. Welcome, Brother Dave. I, I love demonstrating this. I don't know about you, but when the Bible said, if any... If any person is in Christ, he's a new creature. She's a new creature. And he says, all things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. In other words, you are going in this direction, and then you completely turn around, leave that behind, and you follow Christ. That's about as simple as it is. What about Liz? Be not conformed, but be transformed. Liz, had a Liz please. Um, so it's at the recorded dictionary definition for each alternative. I didn't go into a dictionary and get a definition. I literally just kind of looked at the word and came up with my own definition. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. We'd like to hear it. It's, so for conform to the world, I said you would be going against God's word and his commandments. You'd be going against anything that he is calling you to do. So if he mm -hmm. tells you, you know, not to be promiscuous, you're going to be doing that. With the world, and you're going to be I'm free with my body, just like everybody in the world does. That would be going against God and conforming with the world. Um, and for the renewing of your mind, I said to renew your mind, you need to deny your flesh, keep God's commandments, and seek discernment from the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And these things, in conjunction over time, result in the renewing of your mind. Amen. Amen. That's good. Now, Brother Bob? Yes, sir. I have a, I got a question for the populace. Like, 
not this church in particular, but the church at large, would you say that the church today seeks more? Because when, when I grew up, they used to say, come out from among them and be separate. Would it seem more like that the church looks more like the world yeah. than the world looks like the church? Yeah. <laughs> and Remember, he said that, not me. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing is a lot of times, yeah, yeah, we look more like, and we try to be relevant, so we try to appeal to them, so we keep trying to look like them, and nobody likes a knockoff. (laughs) The people in the street, gang, recognize gang, they don't, they they look at you and say, well, you trying to be like me. I just stay out here and be myself. (laughs) <laughs> you know, Amen. and so I think it's a call for us as Christians to wake up and say, stop trying to be like them and present Christ so they can try to be like him. Yeah, you can ask whatever question you want to hear. I'll bet. <laughs> Pastor Ernie, yes, sir. You know, sometimes even in our churches, another thing is thinking more highly of yourself. That can happen in a church setting where people start thinking more highly of themselves than God thinks of them, they want to be in a position God hasn't called them to. And that could disrupt things for other people who are just trying to, you know, celebrate the Lord and worship God. I mean, you got some up there thinking more highly of themselves than, than God has placed them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? If not, we're going to move to question number seven. What are some things that indicates carnality in this world on conformity i'm sorry in this world mm. <laughs> are we to be imitators of, of celebrities out there or will we be the imitators of christ in a way but when when he's talking about conform he means patterned or modeled after. Like you say, yeah, buying a Cadillac. Yeah, that's where it started. Yeah, it could Little be. Stuff. Oh, let me get these gym shoes. Let me get these socks. Let me get, let me get this. Let me get that. And I guess the question could be in the motivation. Why are you doing it? Right. Are you buying the Cadillac because you want like the Cadillac? Or do you just want to have a diamond in the back, sunroof top? You know, there you go. Are you trying to look like other people or just be like other people? What's your motivation behind it? That's a deep question. Why are you doing what you're doing? I'll get, Pastor, can I share this example? Uh, I scolded my friend for buying a hundred dollar plus Tim, uh, what is it, Timberwood or Timber Tree uh, Dock Siders? Timber. Timberland? Yeah. Yeah. And I said, well, what's the, can't you go to Kroger and buy them for $19? Not no more. He Not goes, Kroger no got $80 shoe. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kmart, I meant to say. <laughs> but what happened is that two or three years later, or maybe sooner than that, I had worn mine out because they were cheap. And he says, hey, you got new ones. He goes, I still got mine, the ones I bought three or four years ago. So there's a, there's a fine line there. Mm-hmm. But to be, the question is, what are some of the things that conformity? You, you conform to the world, 
you're not, you know, in a position where people can see Christ in you, like that lady saw Christ in Peter, he said, you were with him. Your action, your, your, your conduct, and everything else should betray us that we are with Christ. We don't go places the world goes to. Go ahead. Please speak up now. Um, I was just going to say, I think a good way to assess whether or not you can tell if you've conformed to the world is if you took yourself and like five other random people who weren't Christian and you had people look over all of your lives and like your daily lifestyles and everything you do, would mm. they be able to tell that you were the Christian yeah. in the group? Good one. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yes, sir. Yeah, I wanted to add to everything. A lot of good uh, input tonight. Uh, I'd like to add that uh, sometimes the physical outward conformity is uh, a lot of, like a symptom of the bigger problem. Uh, the biggest uh, problem of conformity for the church is the world view. It's, it's world view. Mm -hmm. the attitudes, it's the, the way we view the world. You know, uh, in, in days gone by, uh, the Christian was taught to view the world through the lens of the Holy Scriptures. Yeah, the Holy Scriptures, amen. If, if, if we're viewing the world through what the education system teaches us or what MSNBC, C CNN, or Fox News, or whoever tells us, we, we need to get our There you go. Go ahead, Pastor. Where's your mic? I said abortion. Well, we might as well be real. This is what it's for. Worldview. Where do you get your opinion on abortion? Did you get it from the Republican Party, the Democratic Party, or did you get it from the Bible? Same gender, loving. Where did you get your opinion from? Worldviews, yeah. Worldviews matter. And, and you got to ask yourself, if I believe this, why do I believe this? Does it line up with the Bible? I was talking to somebody the other day, and he said, oh, I, now I hear your politics coming out. I said, no, you don't hear my politics. You hear my beliefs coming out. If my beliefs happen to line up with a certain political party today and this one tomorrow, it just is. But I'm a Christian first, and that's what I am. I'm not lining up with any political party, and I think that's what's hurt churches as large is groupthink. We feel like we're among everybody, everybody think the same, nobody's thinking the biblical thing, and honestly, even the pastors are brainwashed sometimes. They don't think according to biblical lenses. So ask yourself, where do I get my opinions from? Where do I get my worldview from? Where, where, when, did, when, when did it be okay for this to happen in the church? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think Liz was about to say something. Yes, yeah, Sister Liz. I was going to piggyback off of what you were saying about the abortion topic. It reminded me of this video that I saw the other day on Facebook. It was it was a female pastor in a church. She had on, um, like, you know how some of the pastors wear those scarves that hang down over top of their robes? Mm -hmm. She had a pink scarf on, and on the scarf was embroidered Planned Parenthood. And she was standing on the pulpit talking about how she had had two abortions as a clergy member and how God supported her mm -hmm. in this decision and how she was light as a feather. I was immediately 
just beside myself and sick. And not because I felt a need to condemn her or judge her on her decision, but it was just so biblically wrong. Yes. She was standing on the pulpit teaching this to a church full of people. Yeah, and see, that's the thing. There's grace for anybody who's made a mistake. If you've you've had abortion or done something else outside, there's grace for you. But the church has to get a standard, and I'm sorry to say, Tony Evans said it the best I've ever heard it. When there's a mist in the pulpit, there's a fog in the pew. And to keep people in the seats, pastors have taught watered-down sermons, and they don't touch hot-button topics because they're scared. If I preach it, you won't tithe and you'll leave. And so people have been left to believe whatever they want to believe. And they have decided who's God, and they've decided what's right and what's wrong. And now when you do have a church or a pastor that's teaching what's right, people won't stay. You know what they say? I'm going down to the big church where they can tell me what I want to hear. And that's what they do. But the Bible says broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be that find it. And narrow is the way that leads to heaven, and few there will be that find it. If you want to know if you're on the way to heaven, it's, it's, it's easy to figure out. Look around you and start counting. If you're in a big crowd and you're agreeing with everything everybody in the crowd got to say, chances, even in the big churches, now there's some great big churches, don't get me wrong, but sometimes... If you in a big crowd, just because the crowd is saying it doesn't mean it's okay. Are you conform? Is that church and that pastor conform to the world, or is it conform to the church? I want everybody in this church. Everything I say across the pulpit, grab your Bible and look and see if what I'm saying is what the Bible said. Don't you sit here and let somebody else tell you what you need to believe. Let the Bible tell you what your worldview should be. Anybody would like to add a, a thought or a comment? Uh, where are we? Number eight? Yes. By what means are we to be transformed? That's it. Do not be conformed Do to not this be. world. But, but be, be transformed, transformed by the renewal of wait, your mind. Wait, wait, what? What's this say? The renewal of your mind. Ta-da. Renewal of your mind. You have to have a, 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 a change of mind. Because you've awakened to the realization that you're heading in the wrong way. As the pastor spoke, that, that wide, you know, highway that leads to destruction. And you've changed your mind. So I don't want to go there. And you turn them completely around and head to this narrow way, as the pastor mentioned. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The King James says that you may prove. Continuing with the questions, ladies and gentlemen, what is, what is a renewed mind able to do? Pastor Ernie. Well, according to the word, it says, uh, let your mind dwell on whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, Whatever God has to say to us in his word. Amen. And if we don't read the word, guess what? 
We're not going to know what Israel wants us to do. I am a strong advocate of the study of the Word of God, not just here tonight as we're doing, but every single day we should delve into the Scripture because ignorance is not excused anymore. Mm -hmm. In times past, the Bible, the Word of God says that God winked at ignorance, but now commands every man of every way to be saved. Pastor, you have something? Mm -mm. Oh, okay. I thought I you motioned. Yes, sir. Mm. then whatever the situation, you can figure it out uh, discerning in the Holy Spirit. Yes, amen. Yes, uh. Um, I just saw the question as kind of a point for reflection on the current state of just the church at large and even ourselves because if a truly renewed mind is able to d truly discern the will of God and know what he finds good, what he finds acceptable, then how is it that in this current day and age we have so many splits and factions and political debates within the church that, like, what does it say about us if we can ourselves can't even seem to decipher the very clear biblical truth that God has given us? The uh, only way, do uh, you want me to answer that, right? That's a question. The only way that you're going to understand the will of God is by reading his word, but not intellectually, not by man's wisdom. The spirit of God is the one that you need. In other words, the uh, the baptism of the of the holy spirit living in you will enable you to understand the scriptures because the bible was not written by man therefore man cannot figure out the bible and so the spirit of god is the one that re, that is more than willing to reveal to you ever fully the Word of God. Why? Because I don't know everybody's name here, but each one of you, nobody knows Dave, nobody knows Sister Jackson, nobody knows uh, Sister Cynthia, all of you. But the Spirit that lives in you the Bible says, even so, no one knows the mind of God except the Spirit of God. How are you going to understand the Word of God, which was 
inspired by the Holy Spirit to be written in a book if you do not have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. As I said, it is the will and the pleasure of the Holy Spirit to reveal to us Christ and the Word of God ever more fully. It's just the opposite. It, it's not, he doesn't want to conceal Christ. He wants to reveal Christ. I don't know if this is uh, answering your question, but uh, the, 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 there is a scripture. I don't know where it's found, but if you say, okay, Google, and you say the scripture, it'll pop up. My people perish, the Bible says, because of lack of knowledge. knowledge. Well, how are you going to be plenty of knowledge unless you delve into the Word of God? Um, can I ask a question? Yes, sir. That's a good question. Um, how would we grade the church? I'll start with Sermon. Uh, how would we grade the church today on knowledge, on teaching people the Bible? If we had to give a grade on how we, we deal with teaching, are we more followed by charismatic speakers and loudness, or are we followed by teaching? What really gets us? What, how would you grade that on the church at large? At large? Yeah. Uh, they just want to be a hollow screen. They, most people are not there for Jesus. Mm -hmm. They just in there for the in crowd. And you just mm -hmm. go to their, you go there because this is, this is sideline, you go over here. What would you say? No, I'm, I know what I'm doing. Mark, Mark, what would you say? Here's a, here's a thought, Brother Bob and guys. Could that be why it's plenty of people in plenty of churches, but their lives aren't changing? Because the Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So if you're getting fed something every week, but your life ain't changing, either somebody ain't feeding or you're not eating. And it could be just you're not eating. I mean, because that, that could be it. Because... I saw a post that got put up one of my pastor friends that said the next time somebody leave their church to tell you uh, that they wasn't getting fed, ask them, can I see your sermon notes from last week? 
<laughs> you know. Go ahead, Thurl. I'm not going to mention no names, but I know for a fact that there's a church in Metro Detroit area. People only go there because they know within an hour and 15 minutes they are out, regardless of what's going on. And I'm not talking about the Catholic Church either. Hmm. My man got two services on Sunday. Hmm. That'll do it too. <laughs> but in, within, a, within, within 75 minutes, you are out of church. Completely. Uh, Pastor Ernie, go ahead. If we uh, do not renew our mind, you know, we can sit up here and listen to the word from Pastor. It's always a good word intended. And uh, if we don't renew our mind when we leave here and continue to think about the Lord, continue to study His word, then our mind, it says in the word, it'll be turned over to righteousness. And what that means is our mind will wander off into areas it shouldn't be in. Or questioning God, or questioning the word. It's like a fellow walking into a hospital and saying, I'm a doctor. Have you been to medical school? No. <laughs> Bring me that patient. I'm going to replace him. <laughs> it's the same thing. We need to be renewed in Jesus Christ. We're going to be an example. People are going to come to us to see what kind of life we're living. We need to renew our mind. We need to study God's word. Brother Bob, two things. I got them from other people. Dwayne Kremper's online. He said to tell you, preach it, brother, number one. And uh, <laughs> another, another one, I won't name the church, but it was a, a growing church in our area when we were in Mississippi. And somebody invited my wife to church. And when she went to church, she thought she was going to church, and it was an exercise class. Basically, it was an exercise class, and, and, and so they did everything else but the Bible, and, I, and it was one of those type of churches. Like, the music was excellent. I knew the musicians. They were the top-of-the-line musicians. Praise team. If you could not sing, you had to audition, and if you couldn't sing, you couldn't, you couldn't get in there at all. Uh, and I don't mean just told note. You had to sing, sing. And it became the place where everybody went to find somebody. It, some people called it the hookup church because... That's why all the young happening people was, so everybody showed up there so they could find the bull. But if you find the bull and don't find Jesus, you just found a headache. Is <laughs> all you found. So that is the thing. What is our mind? Are we really trying to change? What are we really looking for? Ask yourself that when you come to church. What are you really looking for? What am I really looking for? There's two things I like oh. to say. First of all, uh, I wish I could remember the scriptures. I used to be able to. Is it uh, Timothy? What uh, the Bible says in Timothy: study to show yourself approved unto God. Rightly dividing the word of truth. How many times have you heard a minister tell the congregation? Be a Berean. Does anybody know what that means? To be a Berean means the Bereans, the Bible says, they heard the word, but that wasn't good enough. They went and searched the scriptures to see if the things that were said were so. There's a lot of things being said on the television set, on the radio. 
that is not necessary, that does not necessarily line up with the Word of God. And this is where you need to be a Berean. You need to dig into the Word of God and study it to show yourself approved unto God, rightly dividing the Word of Truth. And the Holy Spirit, praise God, will not disappoint you. He will teach you. He's a teacher. Yes. Speak up, please. Um, I was just going to say some of like the reasonings behind the intent of going to church could have something to do with, I guess, kind of generational intent, too, because the way I look at it is kind of like some of the reasons that my friends want to go to college. Now, obviously, you think you're going to college for an education. But I've also heard reasoning such as, I want to find a spouse, or I want to go party, or, oh, this college just has a great football team, and all these other sorts of reasons. And they seem to forget about the whole reason that they're paying thousands of dollars to go there in the first place. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how, I guess, in my generation, kind of church has become, because we forget the true reason that we're there. And so we kind of go there to just play church and then like do what it is we want to do there instead of actually being there for what it was meant for. So we'll play church, but we don't know how to be a church because we don't know exactly what it is we're there for. And obviously you're there to get the word, but other people, they're just there for the music or they're just there so they can socialize or anything else. And it just says something about the state of the generation. Like, okay, it kind of shows you where the world's kind of going mm -hmm. at this point. Mm -hmm. Sister Elizabeth. That's my baby <laughs> Amen. To go along with what Haley was saying, honestly, um, speaking as someone who's only in their, you know, early, mid-30s, um, when I was a teenager, I knew many children who went to churches. They did the Bible study on Wednesdays. They did the youth group on Sundays. And when I tell you that I can, at that point, talk to those people, and they couldn't tell me anything about what they were doing. And I asked them, like, what are you doing when you go to church? I don't know. Same people now. They're grown adults with children of their own. They're not even going to church anymore, even though they were in there every day, every week, twice a day, or twice a week. They looked at me recently and said, I didn't learn anything when I was in Bible study. I said, what do you mean you didn't learn anything in Bible study? They said, I never opened a Bible once. I said, that's an, that is a huge problem, and that's indicative of where our church is going as a whole. And it goes back to what Pastor was saying. I would agree with Turhan, too, honestly, based off of the things that I've seen in my life, especially as someone who wasn't raised in a church. So I have that worldly view from growing up and then now being a Christian with children myself, you know, I would say, too. There's so many people who walk away from church without even ever knowing a scripture. They don't even know one by heart. If they know anything, it's maybe John 3.16, and that's about it. Like, even people who don't believe in God know that one. You know, By a good worship service because they may be unruly and they may run around the aisles and distract us while us good Christian folks want to learn and how dare they let their kids run over all that foolishness we talk about so we, we put them off on youth directors and said just keep them busy pacify them get rid of them and we never asked the youth directors what are you teaching them hmm. you'd have been better off to say sit up here beside me like my mama that's what kept me in church 
all my friends were at the back of the church laughing at me because I was at the front crying because I was looking back there. I wanted to go back there with the kids, and I couldn't go back there. And every time I turn around, she tried to pinch a knot out of me. Turn around. <laughs> Be quiet. But look where I am. And I look at those same other people, and they're not in church anymore. You, and, and I think that's why Terry and I, we, when we talk, that's my passion. I could care less if they had fun. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> I want them to get something in their brain so when they get to a certain age, that's why we're doing the new, the new thing with the youth. When you're 16, you have enough fun. Come on out here and serve. You need to get up under, under some more word and even more word. This is for this. Because by the time you're 17, you're going out into the world, and if you don't have anything, you're going to hit a whole world that cares nothing about God. That's right. That's right. And if you're not equipped and you're not armed, you, it's over with. Statistics say if a child is not saved by the time they're a teenager, chances are they won't be. So we should put all our resources in not just getting our children here, but making sure they're saved, making sure they're learning. That, so they can be the next generation, or else we turn around and say, well, all the young folks, they where you trained them to be. I raised them in the church. No, you, you raised them in the church, but you didn't raise the church in them. And so when they got a free will and they didn't have to listen to you anymore, they went and did what they wanted to do because we didn't even put anything in them. Mm -hmm. So that's an important thing. I love and I'm passionate about teaching these youth. Teach them. Let them know the Bible. I My bad. Love our model. <laughs> Reach. Teach. Teach. Change. Change reach the lost, teach the found, change the world. There's got to be a change. We are moving on to Romans chapter 13, a balanced self-view. In your own, in question 11, in your own words, what does Paul caution against? We're talking about balanced self-view. How about us not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, but to think soberly according to as God has given to every man a measure of faith. I had to read that. I'm sorry. In your own words, what does Paul caution against? I said if we become too big-headed, we stop seeking God, feeling like we know better than him. You become too full of yourself. You think you know best. You're not going to stop to ask God for his discernment. You're going to say, hey, you're not going to sit there and go, hey, God, like, should I really put this investment there? Should I really quit my job and go chase my passion? You're not asking him for any of that because you think you know everything. Mm. No different than a teenager. My 15-year-old mm. thinks he knows everything too. <laughs> Does that mean I should let him make all these decisions? No. <laughs> you triggered a thought in my mind. I had to laugh. Uh, you know, we do some, you know, some dumb stuff sometimes. I quit my job one time, and I thought, you know, yeah. And when I got home, I told my wife that. And she says, you did what? <laughs> and when she said that, all that, you know, pride and, you know, went out the door and all of a sudden I'm standing and she says, you did what? And I, I wasn't thinking, you just don't quit your job. But it's one thing to make a mistake. 
and then repeat it. And then there was the other opportunity where I didn't quit my job. I kept working at the same job, doing the same thing I was doing until another job was open for me. And then I made the move. And then everything was honky-dory. But the first time, I, 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 it's just like Mary was talking to me face to face. Next thing you know, I'm down here. I, I shrunk that much in my ignorance. There is no excuse for ignorance, folks. We have to study to show ourselves approved unto God. Brother Bob? Yes, sir. I hate to cut it off, but it's eight. And we're going, we've got a special project coming tonight. Wow. Um, All right. We uh, went through, we have seven more questions, I believe. Why don't we but, do well, it looks like we're not going to get, but I'm glad because, uh, you know, there was a lot of uh, uh, good comments, good, good objective views. I appreciate that very much. Well, what about this? How, far, how, many, how many questions do we have left? Uh, seven, I believe. Seven. Uh, would y'all be opposed to coming uh, next week and finishing up these seven questions? Because it seems to be, be good. We don't, we don't have to be on a specific. We don't have to just go because it's next week. But, Bob, will you come back and finish up next week? Okay, I will, I will resume where I left off. Yeah, because I think y'all enjoying this? Y'all getting yeah. something from this? Yeah. Now, don't have me cut it in half and y'all don't show up. I'll be looking for you. <laughs> but, uh, but I like that because, yeah. you know, it, the participation is what caused this. I and that doesn't that. hurt my feelings at all because I, this is what this is all about is that uh, you, brothers and sisters, get involved in these uh, uh, Bible studies every Wednesday. That's, that's, the, that's, it. that's the good thing about Give it. Give Brother Bob a hand. That was great. This Praise is a great God. class. Um, wanted to make an announcement before they cut everything off uh, that those who hear us online will know. Everybody say Sneaker Sunday. Sneaker Sunday. What? What is Sneaker Sunday? Sneaker Sunday is wear sneakers to church Sunday. Um, those who can and are able to walk, we will be walking or driving to locations and driving and walking in those areas to pray over those areas. Uh, the Lord has put on my heart, and I've been speaking with Brother Dave. It's time for us to get outside the four walls, and we're going to be praying over certain areas of Royal Oak. We're not just going to talk about our community and what, what's wrong with it. We're going to make a difference, and we're going to pray. People say, well, why don't you do something? Prayer is doing something, and, and so we're going to do that. We're going to be moving and flowing, and so if we have to change the teacher's schedule and move a few things back, we'll shuffle it from this point on. We're spirit-led. We go with the spirit, and I, I feel God moving through this lesson, so we're going to come back to it. That way you can have some time to ruminate on some stuff, and if you didn't study too good this week, you, you can come back next week full cock. There you go. <laughs> so um, everybody, who, who's going to be able to come back next week? I'm going to put you on the spot. There we go. I know you travel the world, but that, that, that's the only person that, that can. That. Okay, so that's it. And here's the thing. Bring somebody body with you. Uh, we want to do that. Uh, God's doing some exciting things. Be in prayer for us. We're about, after this Bible study, we'll be uh, taking pictures of everything because we're going to be taking the sound area apart. And prayerfully by Sunday, we will have a brand new um, sound room. 
uh, back there. Uh, and so those things are going. So guys, if you got some muscle, uh, we could use you for a few minutes. If you got some time just to get some things going to get ready for the people that are going to be building out here, it's going to come out a little bit. We're going to move one of those pews and it's going to go all the way over here so that it will be more accessible and we'll be able to add more things back there. They need room and they need space to operate. Uh, so it's already taken care of and uh, we're grateful for every, everything that's being done and uh, so thank you for, for all your help. Uh, any prayer requests before we get ready to go? Yes, this late then Sister Price and Sister Bernice. Go ahead. For your sisters? Okay. okay. Uh, I think Sister Bernice and then Sister Price. Did you raise your hand, Sister Bernice? Sister Price? I know we talked about that. How's he doing? We'll talk. Okay, we got it. We got it. Uh, Pastor, I would like to say thank you for uh, everyone who has upheld my wife in prayer. Uh, God bless you for that. Yes. And continue to hold her in prayer. She's, re she's recuperating uh, very, very goodly. Uh, very, very good. Uh, I was telling the pastor how she, she had a stroke and how she's already uh, back yeah. uh, to 70%, maybe 80% use of her right hand because she couldn't even hold a pencil or a pen in her hand. And now she's already writing on paper. And thank you for your prayers and continue to hold her in prayer. Her name is Mary. Mm-hmm. And we'll, con we'll continue to... Pray, pray for those things. God is moving in the building and praying still for healing hearts. Pray for the Sister Mabel's family and continue to pray for Sister McLaughlin and those those people and pray for uh, Sister Sue and, and Dara uh, and Nordy. I hate to call names because I'm over 40, which means I'm going to forget somebody and they're going to be mad at me. Uh, but everybody that needs prayer, yes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Louis, okay. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, Liz. Cindy. She said that she's living in um, one of the hotels that's behind, you know, further down where the Motel 6 used to be and stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it's called now, it's some other hotel. But she said she's living in there, and she asked for um, prayer for uh, stability. Because the one for the hotel room that they have, they just home. Yeah. Mm. So she was asking for stability for her family and for, like, a hedge of protection and stuff like that. Gotcha. So, 
Absolutely. Absolutely. We will. And I'm also going to reach out to those who are still online. If you have a prayer request, send us that prayer request. Amen. Uh, you can either drop it online or if you don't feel comfortable dropping it online, send us an email. Connect, C-O-N-N-E-C-T, at Encounter360.org. Connect at Encounter360.org. Uh, and we'll be... We'll be happy to pray for you. If you didn't get a chance to write that down, I don't think they pulled it up on the screen. Just send us a message and say, send it to me. And we'll put that together in prayer. We're going to be heavy in prayer from this point on. Prayer will be serious. I know y'all saw it a little bit different Sunday, but that's the way the Lord led me to do it. And now you see why. And we're going to be doing that every week at 10 o'clock, 10 a.m. The praise team will be in here. Sanctuary will be locked. Nobody will be coming in the sanctuary. At 1045, the prayer team will be in here. Nobody will be in here but those who are praying. Uh, and the prayer team, there will be no talking, no socializing, nothing going on from 10 40, uh, 1045 to 1055, but prayer at five minutes till we'll unlock those doors and allow people to come in. But when we come in, we're still not coming in to socialize. Um, come in to pray and get your mind centered and focused and ready for worship. God is taking us to a higher dimension, Praise which means God. we got to be Amen. serious with him, which means that if you haven't seen your friend, you got four days to call them on the phone and talk to them all you want. But when you come into this sanctuary, don't get mad if you see me say, this is not the place to socialize. Go to dinner for socialization and all that stuff. We'll see you after service and we'll socialize. But coming up to service, I want us to have a seriousness about ourselves. Praise God is God. trying to take Praise us to a different God. level. Praise and if God. we're going to do that, it's going to require focusness, focus and reverence. We've got to learn to reverence God and reverence his house and reverence the prayer. So thank you for what you did Sunday. I'll be honest. I am still living off of, yes, off of the amen. prayers Glory and all that stuff that happened the other morning. And I, I, I was empty. I'll be honest with you. I, I've been empty and I've been praying for some things and I've been praying for some change. And the Lord had me to do some things. And I said, Lord, I did what you told me to do, but they're not listening to me. He said, lock the door. <laughs> and so that's what I did. <laughs> Praise God. Because, you know, it's hard to tell, ask grown people to do stuff they don't want to do. But you can't argue with a locked door. So, uh, <laughs> and, and it worked. And I thank you guys for going along with us for that. So if you're still and you're showing up, we are, we're cognizant that there's some people that show up and you're not going to be able to stand up while prayer team's in here. We're going to have seating outside. Also, we'll have places downstairs and we have the lifts if you want to go. 1055, you're welcome to walk in here and pray with us. But I want God to move. I don't want church as normal. I want to be a spirit-led, spirit-filled church where people are getting baptized with the spirit and God is moving and fire and real change is happening. And that's only going to happen if we focus. Everybody say focus. Now we're going to pray, and, uh, and, and, and also I ask you to be in prayer for Snicker Sunday. Uh, if it's two or three, that's fine. Whoever God puts on your heart, but we're going. I'm, no, I'm not waiting on the crowd. I'm, I'm going, and I'm going to get my Snickers. These are Snickers, too. They don't look like it, but, uh, <laughs> but we're going, and we're going to do some prayer. Uh, let, let's go to God in prayer. You can pray along with me. God, I thank you for your grace and your goodness and your mercy, Lord, and I thank you for uh, all of us coming together corporately. Uh, Lord God, what a privilege to carry everything to you in prayer. God, there were so many prayer requests and so many prayer needs, God, and I pray right now. Lord God, I know you heard every single one of them, and I pray, Lord God, that you grant them according to your will and your goodness and your mercy. 
For those who are dealing with hurt and broken arms and broken bodies, Lord, help them, Lord God, and help them to heal and have a speedy recovery. Those who are recovering from stroke, God, we ask for strength. Those who are dealing with cancer uh, right now, we ask for strength. For Sister Sue and all those who are, who are dealing with those things, we ask for supernatural healing, Lord God. For the, right now, for those who have need, those who are dealing with grief and pain, uh, Lord God, help them to deal in the name of Jesus, Lord God. Cover our youth, Lord Jesus. Bring them up, Lord Lord God, raise up another generation that loves you uh, and, and that loves you passionately, Lord God. And I pray that what they're being taught downstairs will always be in them. And Lord, cover all our youth workers and the new nursery uh, that, that's going forth, Lord God, that on every level that Christian education and your spirit is going forward, God, right now in the name of Jesus. For, for those who are on the verge of being homeless, Lord God, let us not be insensitive, Lord God, but help us to help those when we have the opportunity, Lord God. But cover them and keep them with your provision let them know that it is you that is that is keeping them lord god for those who are dealing with pain or or dealing with conviction lord god let that conviction spark us lord god to draw closer to you and lord i pray for sunday lord god that you will show up in this place even stronger than you did this week god and that somebody's heart will be blessed like mine lord i know if i need it i know they need it god we need a refreshing of your holy ghost god we need a refreshing of your holy spirit lord god the ordinary just won't do. Lord God, we seek, Lord God, for you to move in ways, Lord God, that will boggle and blow our minds. God, Lord, help us in the name of Jesus. We receive what you're doing right now. And Lord, I receive the influx, Lord God. As we seek you, Lord God, the source, you will bring the supply. Lord, bless, uh, we ask lastly, bless all the efforts and keep all those who will be working in the construction in the church this week safe uh, and in your care. And Lord God, we pr pray for that project that it will be blessed. We are making the way and room, preparing for the increase and the growth that you're about to send us and you're already sending us. We thank you for that. And I pray the spirit of evangelism over this place, a spirit of prayer over this place that we'd be serious about prayer we'd be serious about reaching the lost and teaching the found and changing the world one life at a time thank you for these people you have given us lord god that we get to serve every week it's such a privilege and an honor keep us in your care and we'd be careful to give you all the praise in the mighty and the matchless name of jesus lord if my mind missed anything let your spirit catch it and do it and grant it done in the name of jesus we pray amen somebody clap your hands and give god praise